The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for the highly anticipated, much appreciated Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I just got off a flight. Uh, you know, I just released my own uh, scent. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, people on the plane next to me didn't seem too happy about it. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Wow. <laughs> that was a stinker, <laughs> literally. Uh, that was a mid-summer tour uh, joke from Duff, who's out with Guns N' Roses this summer. And come rock with Fozzie as well. We've got our biggest headlining show ever coming up, Spotlight on London, Friday, August 25th at the O2 Forum, Kentish Town. See Fozzie on Friday night, then come over to AW's All In, Sunday, August 27th at Wembley Stadium. FozzyRock.com has tickets for the O2 Forum. It's going to be a great show, and we've got so many shows coming up in uh, October and November in the United States. So once again, FozzyRock.com for all that information. And speaking of great shows, I've got AR Fox coming up. He's been killing it on AEW recently as part of the Mogul Embassy with Swerve Strickland. He recently helped Swerve hand a beatdown to Darby Allen and Nick Wayne on Dynamite. He and Swerve go way back. They were both part of Lucha Underground and had an unbelievable death match during their time there. We get into all of that. We talk about his wrestling school and the talent he's trained that have gone to wrestle in WWE and even AEW. AR has been wrestling himself for the last 15 years on the indies. We get into that and his time in both Japan and Mexico. He talks about his WWE tryout and what happened there. And we talk about his journey to AEW, what it meant to get signed, and his recent heel turn. It's a great conversation with one of the newest members of AEW's Mogul Embassy. AR Fox starts now on Talk is Jericho. Right, so making waves here over the last uh, week or so, AR Fox, with a uh, change in attitude, shall we say, um, but I think most importantly is the fact that now you're pretty much featured pretty regularly here in AEW, and um, I think you've been really kind of becoming an integral part of the show in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, so I did the jump, I, I jumped ship because I knew uh, I knew I just had to take my my game to the next level, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew just coming out and doing a little cool sequence over and over again, you know, was just gonna 
put a glass ceiling on me, so mm. I had to break out and, you know, go and, to switch sides. And you don't like sunglasses? No, I do not. <laughs> only, only, only on a plane. On a plane? Yeah, on a plane. If you would have handed me uh, them to me on a plane, it might have went a little differently. So you can sleep better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, dude, I mean, it's been a long road for you in the business, and, and I was actually saying, watching you last week, you remind me a lot of Eddie Kingston. Uh, in that a guy who had been around for years and had been, been everywhere, but never had a shot at the national level. And then when he finally did, he took control and became one of our biggest stars here in AEW. And his career really started to blossom, you know, at the at the age of you know, almost 40 or whatever he may be. It's kind of similar to your story in, in the pro wrestling biz. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it gives me a lot of motivation and a lot of it's inspiring to me. So I'm trying to follow Eddie's steps and uh and then some so how did you end up uh, starting to work in AEW? because i remember seeing you maybe i don't know a year ago or so i mean you can know probably better than i do but we've been around for four years it seems like you would have been here a little bit earlier with your lineage and your history yeah but when they they finally came to atlanta i was working with sean sean dean i had a hand in training him like i didn't train him uh from the ground up but uh, i had a hand in uh helping him out and uh once I found out that he, you know, was in charge of some extra work and stuff, I uh, told him I'm down to travel wherever I have to go or whatever, and uh, started with a dark in Atlanta. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, you know, I just didn't know. I didn't know how to get here or who to speak to or anything for a while. But then once i seen Sean in person because he came to my school to just bring me a, a picture of him to put up on the wall at the <laughs> school. So uh, we started talking, and then he told me about if I had any guys that would want to do extra work. And I'm like, me? <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it. Like, I don't care. I'll go. So I traveled with them and followed them and was, you know, traveling myself, you know, did about five or six darks. And then I started asking around, like, hey, man. How many darks did you do before you got signed? And some people were saying more. Some people were saying less. So I was just like, huh, I wonder what I got to do. And then uh, that was like the last time. And then I was watching Dynamite at home. And my first match got announced on TV. That that was how I found out about it. <laughs> Who was your match against? Death Triangle. Wow. Was it you in, with, uh, with Top the, Flight? Top Flight. Yeah. So th that's so funny how... By watching on TV. Yeah. That's how I found out when I was drafted to SmackDown back in the very first draft. They were keeping it kayfabe, oh. and they didn't say anything. And Dr. Luther had to call me. Hey, man, you've been drafted to SmackDown. I was like, wish I would have known. Someone could have called me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. So you uh, were at a school in Atlanta. Yeah. That's kind of where you were based from originally? Yes. Or? No, I'm originally from Connecticut. Okay. But I moved to Atlanta to, to start wrestling, mm. to join a wrestling school. Because I was like, you know, I was a young kid, just like screwing around a lot. So my mom was like, it was time for me to like, you know, leave and try to like change my surroundings a little bit, you know. And uh, I just kept looking up wrestling schools. And we found this really cheap one in Atlanta ran by Mr. Hughes. Wow, Mr. Yeah. Hughes. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, she drove me down there and... Uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. I lived in a hotel for a couple of years, right down the road from it. How was the training with uh, with Mr. Hughes? What was his uh, his teaching style? Very old school, very old school. But it gave me my backbone. It gave me my foundation. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but uh, yep, very, very, very old school. Like, uh, for instance, like if you duck something, not necessarily always on a duck. I'm just trying to sure, explain it easy for like listeners. But like if you go under and up and over, like when they go in a corner, it was mandatory for you to point to your head when you went under and up and over. So that like you were you, smart. Yes. Ah. If you didn't do it, like the whole drill got stopped and started over. If you didn't point to your head when you went under and up and over. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, so that, uh, you know, it was very old school. A lot of headlock takeover. Boom, boom, boom. Get it again. Boom, boom, boom. Get it again. Boom, boom, boom. Get it again. As many times. Then we would do random hope spots, you know, where he'd say, hope spot ended with a backbreaker, but put some miles on it. So we'd be in the middle of heat doing drop down, leapfrog, duck, duck, drop down, leapfrog backbreaker mm-hmm. like we just just to work on calling basic stuff and just doing it right away but it always end up in something silly but it always be a, either a duck a drop down or a leapfrog but gotcha. it would just switch up all right duck drop down leapfrog leapfrog drop down headlock <laughs> like just a bunch of that so it's funny because when i first came to wwf at the time mr hughes was my bodyguard they put him with me and he had lost a lot of weight and he was just interesting because I hadn't really seen him a lot after that time frame, after that run. So I guess that's kind of when he started his school, maybe a few, year, a few years after that. He was the trainer. Like he wasn't really the, uh, it wasn't person. his school. No, oh, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was there and went and he tried another school. Mm. He bounced around a couple. How was it? He was, he always kind of worked was more of a big guy. Yeah. You're more of a high flyer in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I, I just was taught, just not basic, but just like all the all the slams, so a big backdrop, mm. the side slam, power slams, all that stuff. So I just learned it all just to know it, know how to yep, do sure. it, know how to take it and everything. But when class would break down, he'd give us like the freedom to like go in the other ring and mess around. Mm-hmm. And I was just watching hardcore indies. Ever since I was a kid, I was watching ECW, and uh, me and my friends would recreate RVD and Jerry Lynn, hmm. and we would do it like move for move the entire match, you know? So I had all these little things in the back of my mm-hmm. head that I wanted to try, and I'd jump on the top rope, put a bunch of couch cushions down, and try stuff, and throw a lot of stuff at the wall, you mm-hmm. know, pretty much. So I would just try to mix it in, you know, so... I think it was cool training, really old school, and I try to keep that still, like, to this day because I do try to do all, like, the more modern moves but still try to apply, like, an old school mentality, traditional wrestling. Like, my wrestling school, I want, like, the slogan of it to be is, like, modern wrestling would have old like some like old school old psychology yeah. you know what i'm saying like traditional wrestling with a modern twist or some some similar mm-hmm. to that you know where i blend the two of both worlds like sometimes i'd watch stone cold matches he, he was one of my favorites sometimes i'd watch stone cold matches and do like his exact match but i would flip switch uh, every one of his you know he didn't do that much extravagant moves but i would right. switch all his moves to one of my moves mm, you know gotcha. or like the same attitude and stuff like that like just a lot of little things it always take like two or three things to keep keep them down little small mm-hmm. things like that like instead of you know people fight back they get hit they're down stone cold always take a neck breaker get up take a clothesline 
you know. He he was he was such a um a great worker and people kind of forget a little bit of it because he was so popular, mm -hmm. but he was also very unorthodox. Like yeah. nobody worked like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I remember some guys sometimes be like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to work like Steve. It's like, you can, you can use elements like mm -hmm. you said, but no one really can work like him. Cause he, yeah. he thought differently from most of the people that I've ever worked with. You know, he just had a different vibe to him, which made him so aggressive, so believable mm -hmm. and so popular. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A gymnast though when you were a kid no um no but I, not not like in a not traditional way yeah. yeah yeah but no i was always like a wild kid you know what i mean we would jump off rocks at the quarry and stuff and i would just flip in my backyard i had a uh, my grandfather like made me a ring in my backyard but it was really just four poles mm. uh cemented into the ground would like garden hose around it <laughs> so i've been flipping and like the kick flip thing i do off the ring post like i was doing that maybe when i was 13 years old i remember just trying it seeing it in a movie somebody doing it in a movie and just throwing it i don't know how it would have could have went you know but i just tried it one day and i nailed it and i was like oh wow and then i just started messing around we go to a rope swing a lot <laughs> So I'd ride the rope and I'd backflip. And I'm like, oh, okay, I could backflip. Then one day I went and I jumped going backwards, you know, momentum, and tucked. And I did a front flip. And I'm like, oh, if I go that way, I could front flip. This way, I could backflip. So then that's why I came up. I didn't come up with the dive, but that's why I figured out I could do the dive front flipping backwards. Your, your, your trademark dive. Yeah. What do you from, call that? Does it have a name? I call it low main rain. <laughs> now this is when you stand on the top rope yeah and you do explain it to me because I've, I've been it's, in the ring with you a couple times yeah, and you did it, but i'm still not sure exactly how to describe it it's a just a front flip mm. moving backwards front flip back but i'm move but we're back moving backwards right, right yeah right, yeah yeah right, yeah yeah right. so it's like the opposite of a shooting star ah gotcha 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 so it's right. really just i'm tucking my head and hoping for the best there's <laughs> not much technique not much skill involved whatsoever you know, once again people will say how do you practice you don't really practice that you just got to get up there and do it yeah yeah but i do practice in my head what i call my difficulty 10 moves i only got about four of them <laughs> um i practice my difficulty 10 moves every once a week Hmm. And it makes my heart pounds. I gear up for it, everything I do before anybody gets there. But I just do it on the crash pad, you know. But I just warm up a little bit. And then I make sure I jump up and do it. Because my rings are nowhere near as good as these rings. Mm -hmm. So it's like if I can move around and do it on this ring, then I'll be good. It's like I don't want to go match to match uh, without trying. If my style was different, then maybe. You know, right, that would right, be right, nice. Right. But it's like. I'm going head over heels a lot or just kicking off the pole one foot. So luckily I have a, 
a school so that I could. So you could do that. Yeah. What are your other uh, three of the difficulty 10 moves? I do the backwards front flip. I do the kick flip to my feet. I do the seated Spanish fly mm -hmm. to the invisible man. And I just jump up <laughs> to the top a lot, pretty much. So there's, there's really just three, I guess, thinking about it now. I like the invisible man. I used when I was uh, inventing the lion salt back in 1993 when no one really did moonsaults, doing it off the ropes. I used a bag of dirty laundry in mm. Arena, Mexico to find mm. the placement. Like, okay, if I put the dirty laundry here yeah. and I take three steps. Mm. So that when I first started, I would pick up the guy near the ropes, walk three steps out, slam him, yep. and then I knew where I would be yeah. going. But, you know, like you said, the invisible man or the bag of laundry. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> so when you're training with Mr. Hughes and you finally, you know, graduate, you learn what you need to know, what, what was your first match? Well, my first match was against a guy named Johnny Cadillac. Of and course. I was just T at the time. The match is online. It's probably hard to find, but it's. Johnny Cadillac versus Tex, a kid from Texas. So of course. Mr. Hughes just called him Tex. <laughs> creative. <laughs> and I was T at the time. Also creative, right? <laughs> and we just basically both got beat up by Johnny Cadillac for about a couple minutes, and then that was it. How long ago was that? That was in 2007. Wow. So you've been over 15 years yeah. on the job. So kind of what was your first big break then? My first one would be, I mean – call it a break but my first stamp was like czw i did czw uh three years in that's that was really got the ball rolling for and that's with like was that is that quackenbush or is that no that's uh who's this dj hyde now oh okay it was uh, yeah, yeah. zandig zandig that's right yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it's kind of more of a hardcore yeah yeah death yeah. match type of vibe right yeah yeah were yeah. you doing those types of matches that's not what got me. Yeah, of course. But um, no, I ended up doing them there. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not when I uh, got no notice for or anything Cause like CZW that. Because CCW kind of had the same vibe as ECW, and that you had a combination of a lot of different yeah. styles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. same thing. And they ran out of the arena a lot, too. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's where I debuted for them at, was in the arena. Yeah, it's just like ECW, but a little more blood blood yeah what did you like about ecw you said you followed it quite a bit when you were starting it was just that cool art alternative especially for me at that age i guess like looking mm -hmm. back now you know they just pushed the limits you know they just i'd see the commercial for the pay-per-view you know and you see it's just looking crazy and they're 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 dudes beep you know you know it's like my parents and my family they don't want me to get this pay-per-view you know that's making me want it <laughs> right. that much more you know mm -hmm. And, like, Rob Van Dam just acted super cool. Like, Rob Van Dam, I was, like, in love with Rob Van Dam. Like, it's insane. Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, I like The Rock and Stone Cold a lot, too. Like, a lot of kids my age. But, but yeah, Rob Van Dam was, like, he was just so cool to me. Mm -hmm. Just uh, his moveset and just, he was just so charismatic. Like, he was just so cool. Like, I wanted to be, like, the Rob Van Dam of like my little small town mm -hmm. or like my high school, middle school. Like he, he was just the coolest person to me. Well, the thing with Rob too is like you talk about Stone Cold and The Rock. I mean, those guys are larger than life personality wise and bigger guys too, where Rob was kind of more our size and also mm -hmm. too very much an original. He really was one of a kind and mm -hmm. no one really worked like him. Another guy was very unorthodox with his, with his wrestling style. 
you ever. So when you when you you finish up with CCW, I mean, where else are you working at around that time? Uh, from I just saw um, just by like local indies, like in the Georgia area mm-hmm. and stuff. But then really from uh, from CCW, I did uh, Evolve, and that's where I spent. I would say the majority of my okay. independent career was working on and off would evolve. Where were they based out of? I don't know where really. They kind of just. It's more of an East Coast promotion. Though, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say like Florida, New York. Kind of random. Who were you working with at that time? Like who were some of your, your favorite rivals? Oh, Eddie, at my early days of Evolve, who really had a big hand of breaking me in, was Sammy Callahan. Oh, wow. Okay. Sammy Callahan, he was, uh, me and him were the finals for the first ever Evolve title. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you're learning from these guys. Obviously, Sammy's a vet. Like, what, what kind of like when you started out, like you mentioned, you wanted to have the foundations. That's what I was going to say about your school. You have to have the foundations. Yeah. You know, it's like building a house. You got to learn the basics of the business and then you can sprinkle whatever, mm-hmm. you know, acrobatics and high flying, you know, antics that you want. But if you don't have those original, you know, the lockups and takedowns and all the stuff you discussed, it really doesn't work as well. No. So who, who are you learning from, though, that's kind of helping you from a psychology standpoint? Uh, I don't want to say this because I don't want other people to mm-hmm. think it's that much of a thing, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say I taught myself. Okay. You know, I mean, I was obsessive with it, like uh, very obsessive with it. I would say I learned a lot hands-on, like uh, Chris Hero helped me out a lot. I've worked. Okay. Ah, yeah. I've, I've only, I, and this is in one match when I feel like I've learned a lot. But yeah, I feel like I taught psychology to myself by watching it and hmm. and really dissecting it and not watching just anything, but trying to watch like the best guys, you know, not watching CZW and stuff, not a knock to them, but like watching main events, you know, pay-per-view matches and watching a lot of old Ring of Honor. I feel hmm. like writing AJ Styles matches in full. Interesting. Seven, eight pages, everything that's happening, I'd write AJ Styles matches out. And I felt like it taught me psychology. Interesting. So you would watch the match and then write the whole thing down from beginning to end? Yeah. I would call one person A and one person B. And each line, I would just be like, boom, A does this, B does that, boom. And then I would do the same match over with somebody else. So like it might not have been like the, the 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 same exact move at the end, but it's like boom boom boom, and then A gets another move, mm-hmm. boom boom. Okay, then B gets another little arm drag, and mm-hmm. B gets another little thing, and then but A gets the big thing. I like one of the times I felt the dots connect, trying to teach myself psychology was doing all these random standoffs, just coming up with standoffs. They'd get eh reactions, okay. Then I wrote down an AJ Styles standoff, and it was like, A tries a drag, B tries a drag, A does a sweep, B does a sweep, A does this, B does that, and then they stand up. I stand was up like, and he face to face. I was yeah, I was like, oh, they're literally going tit for tat. One does one, other one tries one, one does this. It's exactly perfectly even, and then they stand up. Nobody took any damage and stuff. So then I tried it, and it was the one time they all. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. 
It's amazing, like you said, when when that light clicks on you. You know, I remember with, I remember exactly where we were in Chile. Sean Michaels and I, when we first started working all the time, I think 2008 maybe, and we had a double down. And he was like, don't move until I tell you. And I just sat there and people cheer and then they went down. And I'm like, we got to don't move. We got to do something. Don't move. And then it starts and they start to build, and they start to build. And suddenly everyone's going crazy and we haven't done anything. And it's like, like you said, just that light clicking. If we don't do anything, people will now know, okay, now we can start to chant and cheer and yell. Kind of like what you learned. If you do the tit for tat, tit for tat, and then do the standoff, there's a reason why there's a standoff because I tried to beat you. You tried to beat me. Mm-hmm. I tried to do this. You tried to do that. It's, it's a, you know, you're coming to a, a loggerhead. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's kind of a cool moment to, oh, okay, now I've got that little feather in my cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I find it interesting that you wrote it down though. Who else did you do that with? Was it just AJ or did you write it down with other guys too? I wrote down countless people's everything. When I tell you I'm obsessed with it, I don't mean it in those, in slang. I felt, like I was cheating on wrestling if I watched anything else mm. for a good five year period wow. or more of my life. I'm this this might sound weird, but I would feel guilty. So like on some of the first times or like first dates or anything, I'm right. hanging out with my wife. We'd have a movie or something on the living room TV, and I'd have a <laughs> laptop on the floor with wrestling on. <laughs> so you're not cheating on wrestling. I I had that. I got it tatted on me on my wedding finger. Underneath my wedding ring, it's just the word wrestling. Oh, really? You got yeah. your wedding ring on underneath the word wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's how obsessed you are. Yeah. Now, so you're a, a literal student of the game. Yeah. So I, I would do it with tag matches, too. You know, I was trying. I, I did a lot of FTR matches when it came to that. So, you know, I can't think of that many other singles people I would do. I would do, try to do it with uh, Stone Cold. Sometimes here and there, you know, um, try to recreate some of his matches. But when it came down to tags, I would I would do a lot of FTR, hmm. a lot of uh, Usos stuff. If it was if it was tag, it's interesting. When I first got to WWF, wasn't really doing much. I hadn't found my stride yet. I took a, I would take a notebook, and if I wasn't on the show, I would go watch the show from from the monitor and take notes on everything mm-hmm. and then go back and read those notes. What did I see that interested me? What did I see that didn't make sense? What did I see that really worked? Just trying to do anything to, to, to switch my mindset a bit. So it, I've never heard anybody that, that did that sort of thing of actually writing down the match from beginning to end. Cause I think it's like studying. If you're trying to study some English thing or whatever, if you write it down, it always makes it stay in your head more. You can actually yeah. pay attention to every word. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So when uh, I know that you did also some time overseas, a lot of time in Japan, was that always a goal for you to go over there? Once I got into wrestling, I was young, so I didn't know about anything. I I just knew WWF, yeah, right, WCW, ECW. But uh, once I once I started wrestling and I 
found out everything i was i i wanted to go to japan just to get it just to get that under my belt sure. you know and uh i remember hearing how quiet the crowds would be and how you could like in the beginning it'd be like ding and then you could kind of hear the their footsteps in the ring and i remember my first <laughs> time in japan and hearing my footsteps in the ring so that that, that that was the main thing i wanted to get out of japan you know what's funny is, is I never ever would have described that, but as soon as you said, it, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you, you almost hear the squeaking of the boots. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I remember my first, because I've been going there since I was 20 years old, and I remember like I knew, but when you get there, it's like there's nobody making any noise. Yeah. Do I suck? And then you just do like a tackle, drop down, leapfrog, arm drag, and it's a standing ovation. Yeah, it's like oh, and then I started realizing they're not being silent because they don't like it. They're being silent because they're watching intently everything that you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's a whole different way of doing things there. Mm. What company did you work for? Dragon Gate. Ah, so tell me some of the guys that you work with and what it was like there. Well, the main person I was working with, and this is a little story I wanted to kind of say anyway. Sure. I was working with Shima a lot. And he's like, he's like their guy. Yeah. He's like. Yeah, he used to work in WCW. Spelt. C-I-M-A. Yes. Shima. So yeah. he's he's like up there, up there. So like he like took me under his wing and like we were teaming up and we had tag belts and everything. And um yeah, he was the guy I was working with the most. I, I worked with Shingo, Yamato. Shingo's I worked great. With, I worked with the entire roster. I did two three month tours. Three months? Yeah, something that wow. whatever, however the longest day you could do is what I did. So before we get into that, so tell me, like, what could you learn from from Shima and from Shingo? Obviously, they speak English, but yeah. it's more than that. It's 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 there's a whole Japanese way of doing things. Yeah, well, one thing I kind of learned from Shima was just uh, just just uh, taking time. It's hard to to explain it, but just uh. Just to like hold his ground and like he would like hit somebody with something and then like maybe just like stand there and fix his elbow pad. And like it would just look so cool. But he was just sometimes he'd fix his waistband in between doing something. But, it you know, it just looked cool. And then I also got I asked him if I could. He claps with every strike he does. So when I was in Japan, I asked him if I could do that alongside him. Oh, he's like, he's sitting there thinking about it. And he was like, okay, okay. So then I was like, oh, cool. And he was like the coolest guy to me. So I clapped uh, with all my strikes to be like Shima, like pay homage or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's why I clap on my strikes. I'm not doing it for sound. So <laughs> it's a homage. Get that out there. <laughs> I just want to get that out there. It's not really for the sound. I'm trying to be like, one of my, you know, big, my OGs. Influences, yeah. Yeah. So when you worked in, when you were there in Japan for three months, like where did you live and kind of tell me the experience that you had of being over there for that long of a time? I lived in the dojo. Wow. And it was cool because um, I like working. I don't care about getting up and doing all that. But the second time I was there, it didn't work out well for me. Mm. I hated it. It's cool and I don't want to deter nobody who has... Like, we want wants to go, but like, it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, like I was saying, I just wanted to get these things under my belt. Right. Pretty, and come back. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pretty much, it's all I wanted. You wanted to the do. experience. When I, I was there, when, when I was there, one of the tours, I was with Gargano, and that was the only other person I could speak English. And one of the tours was with Rich Swan. 
So I could only talk to one person <laughs> this whole time. And then, like, you can't use the phone. You know, now it might be easier. But if you had turned my dad on, it was like I'm getting creamed. So, mm -hmm. like, I couldn't have no contact with my family. It just got rough. And I didn't make it through the second one. I asked to leave. Oh, wow. I've never said this to anybody uh, uh, or, like, put it out there like that. People just know I went to Japan or whatever. Like, I never really, you know, but everything's falling into place now for me like my career's going well so it's like you can say it yeah yeah i can say it now <laughs> but yeah the second time in japan i just couldn't do it i just couldn't do it it was well, three three months is a long time yes. dude i mean that's 12 weeks so i'm thinking my longest tour was i did three weeks had a week off and did like a week so i did five weeks and, and that's that's a long time and, I, and my dream at the time was to be in japan so i wasn't complaining but i remember thinking this is long, and you did two and a half times that. Yeah, I could, I could be stretching it, my, you know, but it, sounds it, about it, right though for a smaller company. They're going to bring you over and just have you stay. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. It was challenging. Just, just not, not the workout, not the training, not the travel, none of that, but everything else. When, when we weren't doing stuff, it sucked. So before we talk about uh, about what you did after Japan, so tell me where'd you get the name Ar Fox? Just listening to this rapper Ar Ab over and over again and just the way he was every like his like signature saying when he would like when he's about to rap he'd be like yeah yeah it's ar and it just sounded so like hard to me like i'd always work out to it and like here i'm calling he's like this philly <laughs> drawling gangster rapper yeah. so i was like i'm definitely my been growing up my kid name was tj mm -hmm. so kind of like the initials right but i wanted to switch them so i switched them to ar and then just added fox it just felt like i gotta kind of move like a fox or like i'm not gonna be this jack i just felt like fox fitted me like i don't know like not strong not not you know what i mean not sly jacked. like a fox yeah you know <laughs> so i just put that together but you said your what was your original name my original name was the amplifier so it was like the amplifier, the, yeah, high flyer. So like everything I did, I added extra jump on. So even if I was going to clothesline you, I'd jump unnecessarily high just to come back down and hit you with a clothesline. Well, you were the amplifier, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had yeah. to live up to your gimmick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So we talked about the, the time that you spent in Japan and whether... Um, when you finish there, is there more of a buzz about you now? Is the word getting around? Yeah, once once I yeah I had my like my time of like I don't know if it was like right after that, but probably shortly after I did Japan, like I, I started becoming like the main guy on the indies. Like mm. after after I did Japan, like then it was just off to do everything. Cause I had won uh, titles over there, so as soon as I came back here, like a lot of people were putting the titles on me. I won the Evolve title. Maybe within three months of going to Japan, I went to Mexico. Mm, what'd you think of it? What'd you like there? 
Oh, it was cool. I liked it. It was different. All these things are di- so different. Just a experience. See, it's smart though, because like once again, that's kind of how I. That's not kind of. That's how I did did it with my career. In that, like, obviously, if someone would have called me from WWE, I would have went in a second. But mm-hmm. no one did. So I was doing really good in Japan, doing really good in Mexico, and they gave me a lot of different experiences. Not just uh, for wrestling styles and wrestling ideas, but for life experiences yeah. too. You can really figure out a lot of things when you've lived around the world and you can deal with a lot more too not just in the business but out of the business as well yeah you know mm-hmm. so where would you where, tell us about your time in mexico mexico was cool you know i'd go out every night every night just just to see what, what was going so on mexico city or where? yeah 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 we we're mexico city i was there for maybe two weeks or something like that with willie mack oh nice yeah. what company were you with was it cmll no we were with like an indie oh promotion out there called dtu yeah it's like the czw of mexico <laughs> where they where do they put you up we're at random hotels here and there were they nice ones they were all right they all just right. kept telling us not to go outside yeah you know? yeah but um yeah i went out exploring like every night just to see what it was like and did you ever have any dangerous experiences no but i've had been like sketched out like goosebumps like hair standing mm-hmm. up like walking down some alleys where i'm like so far down it that i'm like all right it might be yeah uh, well i don't know if it's even better to turn back around and barely any light but i could see a huge rat run across you know <laughs> yep and, uh, sounds about right pile of trash taller than me who are you working with there do you recall no if it's indie groups it's probably just lower level guys right no one of the guys is uh he, he he's making a name for himself now hamburguesa mm which yeah. is, of course, hamburger yeah, in Spanish. Yeah, he was like Kid Hamburger. Well, Cheeseburger's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> cheeseburger versus Hamburguesa in a grudge match. <laughs> was he? Did he have a hamburger gimmick? Yeah, no, nah, he was like like obese. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's so he was. So that's that's. So you got the obese cheeseburger and you got the skinny cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you worked. Speaking of, of of Mexico and Lucha, I know you worked with Lucha Underground, which for a time I really, really dug Lucha Underground. I thought the idea of it was great, and the whole concept of it was great. What was your experience like there? Oh, it was it was awesome. Oh, it was it was sick. It was cool. Still don't compare to being at AEW, but it was a nice. Uh, it was close. So, what was your up. character? And you can tell me kind of what the whole vibe of that place was. Uh, it was it was super chill. But they were filming kind of. They would tell like stories, and there'd be monsters and yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, I got, I got, I was able to do some acting. They had like real live acting coaches and stuff. Uh, I got one scene. I'm kidnapped, and I'm like, I'm like held hostage by like some foreigners and stuff, getting punched, and like <laughs> it was cool, cool stuff. I had I had a whole army suit to put on during one. They had the freaking clacker things, you know. Like take two, clack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had uh, people like sitting in in my spot until they were ready to have me do it and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was different like that. But it was still like an indie show at the same time. Were you AR Fox there? No, they didn't. They said they wanted me to change my name, so I was Dante Fox. Dante Fox. They gave me a list of names. And one of them, one of the first names was Shadow. So I was like, oh, I'll do Shadow Fox. 
And then I debuted, and they just called me Dante Fox. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> they, uh, but they would tape like like three or four shows at once, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Usually two. They would do like uh, four on the weekend or mm. so. So, like, uh, I remember one time I had a death match, and then the next day I had a six-man tag. But, like, on TV, it was airing weeks apart. But, like, I got all these fresh cuts on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and there was also, like, kind of a, a a little bit of an issue, I know, with the contracts that you had to sign that kind of held you for, like, 10 years or that sort of thing. Did you get stuck with that? I don't know. I don't – I'm not sure. Um well, obviously, it didn't bother you then, because some of those guys were like they couldn't go anywhere for like ten years. They had to get lawyers to get them out and all that sort no, of thing. No, luckily, I didn't have no issue with none of that. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, was that kind of the last stop prior to AEW? Did you ever did you ever have any any uh, flirtings with WWE at all? No, I see. I thought I was gonna work with them. Like I don't know how, but I had got like six seven people hired there like from your school yes uh let's say i don't know what year this would be but maybe let's say like at the beginning of like aw you know like three or four years ago which which people did you get hired there austin theory is my main one gotcha you know well austin obviously this is a good good name to be using for sure yeah yeah yeah. and then like other people i trained that are like here i'm just gonna remember everyone overall it's like i helped train i I trained alan angels okay danny J, lee johnson oh so the whole atlanta contingent Uh uh-huh did you ever did you ever work at all with southern honor wrestling no, I have not yet. No, <laughs> all my all my students do that, that building that they use, the Action Center in Canton. Yeah. That's where Fozzie rehearses. Oh yeah, that's our rehearsal place. Oh, they were. That's, I'm there every couple months. It seems out in Canton. Oh wow. <laughs> so wow. So all of those Atlanta people were getting signed, which is hilarious because once again, you're like the the guy who's training them, going, "Hello, I'm yeah. right here." Yeah, and then he, then like Evolve was like doing some. They were, like, starting to work with WWE. So then they had all these guys from NXT come, and then they kept having them work with me, like uh, this guy Mansoor. Yeah, yeah. And then the Street Profits. Like, I had, like, me, I had, like, uh, maybe three or four tag matches. And then, like, uh, yeah, they're just like, yeah, just go, just do your thing, just go crazy. Like, just run a bunch of spots, like, get this is awesome chance and stuff and i'm like oh all right so i'm like oh shoot maybe i could like get a hand in like you know what i mean mm-hmm. working there so like that's what i thought it was gonna be and that's like the closest i came i did a, F- a tryout for fcw when i was super new mm-hmm. and uh for fcw right which um, is back when they were still in tampa yeah, yeah. that was that was the extent of it yeah, I just went down, and now I think that was the one they hired Tyler Breeze, and I'm still oh. not sure if it's like a work or not. What did they hire him? The 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 tryout. Oh, well, tell they, me why why you say that. No, I don't know if like they already knew they were going to sign him or not. Oh, I got you. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah, those tryouts are more of just like, especially now, they're more just like drills and the kind of just trying to punish you rather than actually seeing what you do, right? V- vicious, vicious. Because I was young, like 19, I was dying. I was dying. <laughs> what did they have you do? Uh, this pin drill. Take a leg. Sweep the leg? Yup. Leg sweep, snap mare. Uh, leg sweep cover, snap mare cover, 
hit the rope tackle cover and then you you go through the whole line with so you the guy taking all the bumps and uh kicking out boom you take the last tackle kick out the other person be right behind you you take the leg sweep so it's like <laughs> that's the drill over yeah. and over and over again bump and kick out bump and kick out <laughs> were you uh disappointed that you never got a, a more of a chance with them uh i mean then yeah because i really thought i was like up there you know i thought i was gonna yeah yeah i i i, I was uh i was pretty heartbroken you know sure, kind of right? like kind of i was i felt i don't know how i felt because um I, i'm pretty sure i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure tony niece was also in it uh-huh and uh yeah and i remember not really knowing him i know him now but not really knowing him and i'm like dang if i don't get it that guy's gonna get it man <laughs> crap and then tyler breeze got it so i was like i didn't know how to feel mm-hmm I was kind of almost confused, you know, because I didn't sure. know how Russell worked. He's still kind of green. You think you're so good. Why'd that guy get it? He's mm-hmm. not this, that, you know? So, like, I was like, if I didn't get it, and that Tony Nance didn't get it. Yeah. I'm like, how'd he get it? Like, we did, like, we, we had more uh, cardio than him. Like, how'd he get the job? You right, know, right, like, right. I was, like, kind of lost. Like, I, I didn't know. So what do you think the answer was then? Personality thing, maybe? No, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Like, the best... For some reason, I always felt like wrestling was like a person, and I have this commitment to it. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I felt almost in a weird way like wrestling had betrayed me. Like, because I was like, I know they're not doing... They're trying harder than me. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah... That I was more lost, confused, like, oh, man, how could that happen? Like, I don't know. I just thought it was definitely going to work, and then, and then it didn't. So, how, how did you get over that, that feeling that wrestling had betrayed you? Well, I knew it, it was just some, like, a, almost like a, a small bitter feeling, you know? I just didn't, I just, for one, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Every time i'm like oh what what could i do then if this ain't gonna work out after doing it for so long i i I have no idea where i would start over at my age so that was uh something that kept me mm-hmm. going and not worried about being bitter or anything because i don't know what else would no keep, backup keep right? me occupied <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know or it would just be just doing something to do it you know and then i also you know really matured and i understood that wrestling doesn't owe me anything you yeah. know and i remember like really like understanding that mm. you know this this is probably like four or five years into my career something that regal always said like the job doesn't owe you anything mm-hmm. and once you figure that out it makes it a lot easier yeah you know but you also said too i'm this i was the same i have no backup plan there's, mm. there's nothing else i'm doing yeah. so in fact that's one of the reasons why it was years into but when i got a hand tattoo i'm like now i like at the time especially I know I can't go work at a bank because yeah. tattoo hand tattoos are like, mm. like really forbidden, you know. Yeah. But you know this is this is what we do, and you just got to make it make it work. Yeah, you know. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about, um, as we start to wind down here, uh, about your um, experiences here in AEW. You mentioned that uh, you find out that you're you're booked on TV. Did you know Top Flight at all? Did you have any no. previous experiences with them? Or no, didn't know them one bit. No. So, but it's a good mix, though. You yeah, guys yeah. got kind of a good chemistry, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're cool. Yeah, they're super nice. I met them like one time on the Indies, but by the time I seen them again, I wasn't sure mm. if I even met them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was that long ago, and but I knew my opponents well, and all. Yeah, it was just nuts. who was the opponents again? Death Triangle. Right. Uh, yeah. Pac and... So how did that first match go? Because obviously you're probably a little bit nervous knowing... Like, were you signed yet at that point? No, I wasn't signed. Okay, so here's I, your chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was pretty nervous the whole time, but not not until like the day... The day of the show, it's weird, but I'm not nervous. I'm mm-hmm. nervous hardcore like two days before, day before. But like I was saying, I'm writing everything down, so... It's, I feel like it's off my chest. So when it came time for it, it was crazy. But it happened to be, I debuted on TV. It was like 10 minutes away from my hometown. And it just what happened. Was it? To, it was in Bridgeport, okay, Connecticut. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. I've had a lot of wild experiences here already. Not mm-hmm. not wild, but I've had a lot of epic experiences happen. Cheering the ring with you is one of them for sure without being here you know i don't have to say that but thanks dude yeah. that was epic i got our picture printed out of us nice uh, about to square off that's cool it's 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 great because we were getting ready to challenge for the six-man titles and we were yeah. in sacramento i remember mm. and it was it was me and danny and sammy against you and, and dante and darius yeah. and I remember we were going over the match because I knew of you at this point. And it was like, that was, I really enjoyed, actually, I've enjoyed both the matches that we had. Yeah. Like, both of them are really, really good. Yeah. And it was fun kind of, once again, being in there with you, with your style, some of the, the, the athletic stuff, acrobatic, incredible. But once, like we said earlier, the foundation was there too, which was really cool. Yeah. 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 This whole experience has been crazy. Every single match of them has been nuts. So when did you finally get signed? Oh, they, they offered me the contract after that match. After the death triangle? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How did that feel for you after all these years of being all over the world and now you get your first national contract? It was nuts. It was crazy. I didn't couldn't really say anything. Clips out. I just kind of am covering my face. I didn't know how to react. How did you find out who called you? or Was it live? Was it over the phone? They did a what you call it. They did like they're going to do a... After the match, no promo. kidding. Oh wow. Okay, so, so tell me this whole setup thing for me. Then, but then Lexi goes, "Oh, and we just got word that Tony Khan is offering you a contract. What do you say?" And I just was like, "I might not have said anything." It just took me completely off guard. Like we just had got done with the match. I never did not. I was trending on Twitter after that match. Like it was crazy. So are you calling your family afterwards and saying you're not going to believe this or like? Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm calling them, showing them all, all this stuff. I'm checking uh, my email the next morning because they're telling me it's going to come in the next morning, uh, or they're telling me it's on the way or something like that. But they sent it so quick 
that I had missed it and I kept checking <laughs> above. Yeah. And I remember, and, and so it was there. So then I remember seeing it in like the middle of the night because I just couldn't sleep. And I remember just, yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was, it was nuts. I, I remember the whole, I remember, I don't remember much anymore. I don't remember <laughs> much, but I remember, I remember being uh, so on the fence about questions. Like, cause I was like, man, I just want to sign this thing. Mm. Like, I don't got no time to ask questions, but I was so worried about little things about my school, you know? So I was like, I just remember being so nervous about asking any kind mm -hmm. of questions. Didn't want to mess it up. Yeah. But my mom was like, you're, you're signing a contract for a while. Like, of course you're going to have a question. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And they were cool. You still can run your school and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't interfere. Don't do nothing. I, I was just paranoid. Like well, it's, it's the wrestling business. It's so long. I'm like, there's no way this could go right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, you know. You know, and then of course leading back to what we started with in the conversation, you're getting kind of you know, spot you're getting spots here and there, working matches here and there, and then suddenly you get this, you know, this big heel turn. And it's interesting because when we did the match, it was you and Darius and Action Andretti the second time with, with the Suzuki gods and Tony and I were talking about the finish and he said, well, take it on Darius because we're going to turn AR heel and we want to keep him kind of in a different way. So I, I'd heard about it back then at that oh, point. Wow. When did you hear that day? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I've heard. I think I heard about it a couple of weeks before. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I heard about it a couple of weeks before and it was everything was happening how it was gonna happen and stuff so i was you know kind of impressed because i love to know a little bit of what's happening sure. sooner than later so like that that was really good but uh yeah i had uh i had known about it that's Not, just, just a couple weeks yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and now once again with the mogul embassy it's kind of the biggest spotlight you've been in what do you kind of want to accomplish now with this new attitude of ar fox I want to accomplish mainly me is like I haven't really been healed. Uh, well, I haven't been on a big stage till now, but I haven't. So I want to show the boys basically that I could do just as good mm -hmm. as a heel because mm -hmm. I do all the spots and those get over and all that stuff. But I want to do put the same amount of thought into a subtle cut off type you know what i'm saying never just i want to earn all the respect i did at for the risks and being a high flyer cool i want to like try to show that i'm just as good at being a heel with mm. it too you know what's well, important you know what yeah. i mean you got to be able to play both sides and that's just going to give you more longevity and make you a bigger star yeah it's interesting though because you know one of the things you're known for these spectacular moves. So now you kind of have to figure out how you incorporate those, yeah, but still in a in a heat getting way yeah. rather than a look at me way. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I, that's that's what I'm excited about, and it mm. makes it a little bit easier for me in a way of well, I just did this past six months as babyface, so now starting as heels like a clean slate. Mm -hmm. So then, so it's all I'm gonna do all the, the same stuff. I'm just gonna remix it and get get to them crappy ways yeah yeah you know it's a cool move but yeah i'll probably get into it crappy you know what i mean so i'm excited to to do that yeah i'm excited i'm excited to to you know swerve people 
you know, because I get the chance to do that more as a heel. You know, I always tell my my students once they wrestle more than a couple, you know, once they wrestle in a while, all right, now have a match where, like, I always want somebody to be like, oh, yeah, this is the shine. Okay, okay, yeah, oh, watch this part. Oh, that's the cutoff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, now he's going to – and then I want – I want them to be wrong almost every time. And I get to do that more as a heel because you have more control of the match. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. You got to be more of a ring general in that case. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. What, uh, last question for you. What's your favorite match that you've ever had? Uh, probably my death match with Kill Shot with my partner now, Strickland. Oh, that's right. Swerve was Kill yeah. Shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so now he's, your guys are partners. See how it all comes together. Yeah. And that was in Lucha Underground, right? Yeah. So that, that's probably my favorite match, and I can't really compare. But regular, but not a hardcore match, probably something with the Bucks and PWG or oh, something. Oh, wow, you worked that's there quite a bit, too. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Or maybe my matches with Theory, you know. They're a lot of fun. Many more great matches to come. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's been awesome talking to you and getting to know you, man. Congratulations. Yeah, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Can't wait to work you as a heel. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me, call some spots for me, brother.